I, I don't like preaching the choir. Those of you who know me well, you know, I'm, I'm well up for you shouting stuff out and amening or preferably not booing, not a panto. But, uh, but good stuff, so I, I don't mind a bit of that. So let's not have the quietest service in history. This is a celebration day. And my, my title for my message today is He Stepped In, hence the song that Matt wrote. But we're celebrating a time when he steps in. And I want to unpack that a little bit for all of us because it means something to you. You know, we celebrate a baby in a manger. And um, the trouble is with the baby in a manger is we start to get a bit cooey over it, don't we? Ah, oh, little bubba in the manger. Oh, look, oh, isn't it nice? Oh, look, he's all in the soft hay. He's in a manger. Ah. Oh. But the trouble with that is, is that we start to get so familiar with that that we sort of bring it down a peg or two. Don't you know that over-familiarity with something always brings it down? And so rather than celebrating, this is an amazing, amazing occasion, we just sort of think, oh, Jesus in a manger again. You know, oh, I've seen that picture a hundred times. And it loses its impact. And there's a good concept for life right there. that When we get over-familiar with anything, it loses its impact. And I want to suggest today that there are marriages in this room where you've got so familiar with each other, it's lost its impact. And I want to encourage any of you who are married or any of you in a long-term relationship today to look each other in the eye and remind yourselves. Don't get so familiar with the lifestyle you had that it loses the, its impact. In the same way, I believe so many people get so familiar with the image of a baby in a manger that it begins to lose its impact. Because this is the most momentous occasion in the history of the planet. And we're like, oh, isn't it nice? Who knows that marriages and long-term relationships, you have to work at them. Sometimes it isn't nice. But you know what? There was a day you fell in love. And I want to remind you of that and encourage you of that. You know, you can get over-familiar with the wider family. I'm sure many of you will be visiting and seeing some of your wider family over the coming week or two. And the trouble is there's just a tag on. And you get over-familiar with that. And the trouble is the day comes when you all meet again at a funeral. How about not wait till then? Because you're so familiar now. How about embrace those people that God's put in your life? Embrace that family member and celebrate them. Give them some of your time, your energy, your thought processes. Treat them well over this period so that we're not so over-familiar with the things we actually care about. How about we don't get over-familiar with church? You know, I know what God's doing in this place is quite incredible. And we come and we listen to our amazing band and we raise our hands to our loving Father and He shows up every time and hearts get moved, lives get changed, people get healed and we walk out and we get so familiar with it. It's amazing. I get the privilege to preach at lots and lots of churches, both in this country and abroad. And there is something special here. There really is. You are an amazing group of people and I never want us to get familiar with that. We should everywhere be going, Wow! God showed up again. Wow, that person's got a great testimony. Wow, God spoke into my heart. Rather than it's just our norm. Do you see what I'm trying to say? I, lo I love preaching away because not only do I get to take my gift and bless someone else, but I come away and I'm always thankful for you guys. Every time I come back and I go, thank God for Kesed Church, you're amazing. So turn to three people and go, you're amazing. It's funny we get familiar with this story. And the trouble is, if you say things enough, it begins to stick. And it's things like, 
give me a wave if you've been to like an infant's or junior school play where they do the nativity scene. Yeah, we've all done it. Someone gets to play the innkeeper, don't they? And we all boo the innkeeper because he had no room. Do you know the innkeeper doesn't exist? He's not in the Bible. He's not in the story. Someone trumped him up somewhere along the way. You look in your word, he's not there. So some young kid is playing an imaginary character in the nativity scene. We might as well have Darth Vader there. Because he doesn't exist. And I'll tell you why he doesn't exist. Because we've translated the word in. And in our minds, we've pictured a, a hotel kind of affair. But really, the word in is actually a word attached to a spare room of a relative. And so what was really happening is, Joseph was going back to the place of his birth where all his family were. And he'd contacted her relative to say, can I stay with you? Yes, you can. When they arrived a bit late, other people in the family had beaten to it. And there was no room in the inn, in the guest room. So the innkeeper doesn't actually exist. It's one of Joseph's relatives. And my point being, we get so familiar with how we tell the story that we lose the impact and actually add things to it that aren't even there. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so we need to be a bunch of people that know our onions. And we need to be a bunch of people that are never so familiar with our onions that it loses impact. We need to be the kind of onions that when you peel them open, you get a tear. Because it's moving when you know the reality of what's going on. Here's the baby being born. And in amongst all of this, there's some shepherds out on a hill. Rugged men out doing outdoor work. Give me a wave if you know any guys who work outdoors. They ain't wimps, are they? They're tough. They've got Their hands are worn a little bit. They're rugged and, and they've been out in the cold and they've been out in the hot and they've sweated a bit. They're tough. These are the shepherds. They're not wimpy people. They're tough shepherds. And they had an encounter with heaven. And we know the story. And because we know the story, it diminishes the impact. But these rugged men were full of fear. Whoa! What's going on here? And the angel says, don't be fear. I'll bring you good news. There's a baby born. And, and, and then there's these wise men have been studying the stars afar and we know the story but they traveled for months to be in the right place at the right time because they saw a new star and they knew that meant a king was being born you see there's all this stuff going on in and around the story and then the wise men trying to find the new king visit the actual king at the time Herod and said we've there's a birth because we've seen a star Herod freaks out and Herod thinks, if there's a new king being born and I'm the king, he's going to replace me. And he gets fearful. So what does he do? He orders the slaughter of every two-year-old and under male child. Horrendous. Let's not have that picture on there too long. We look at a child in a manger and go, ah. But I want to suggest there wasn't much ah going on at all. I want to suggest that people were having an encounter with heaven that caused them to move. Rugged men, wise men, royal men were all moved to action of some sort. Not one of them went, ah. And yet here we are in 2017 going, oh, it's nice, isn't it? Nice time of year. But none of that was happening at the time. 
amazing, amazing, amazing things were happening at the time. It's just a thought I had as I was considering this message. You have the shepherds who have a personal encounter with heaven, which results in them bringing honor to Jesus and bowing the knee. You have the wise men who have an encounter with heaven, which causes them to bring honor to Jesus and bow the knee. You have the king who listens to men and turns to violence. Isn't it time we had a personal encounter with heaven? Because when you have a personal encounter with heaven and you don't listen to every other Tom, Dick or Harry, it will cause honor to rise in your life. And good things come out of that. I want to encourage you, if you've never had a personal encounter with heaven, make today the day you say, okay, God, if you're up there, I want to encounter you. Because he will not let you down. Working men, wise men, royal men were moved at the baby in the manger. And it's time, church, that the church was moved by the baby in a manger. You see, he begins to grow up. And he's coming up to about 12 years old. And he finds himself chatting with the guys in the temple. And they're astounded by him. Nothing ordinary about Jesus. They were amazed by his understanding. They were enthralled by his questions. They were looking at him going, wow, who's this kid? But he goes on to preach, and everywhere he goes, he gathers thousands of people. They all want to hear him. If he's going to a town or a village, thousands of people are coming out going, this Jesus, there was nothing ordinary about him. When people touched him, their lives were transformed. There was a woman who was oppressed with 12 years of bleeding. Like a period. You know, tough times for all the women once a month. Imagine 12 years. That's where she lived. And yet she heard about this Jesus and said, if only I could touch him. And she did. And she pushed through the crowds and upset a bunch of people. But she didn't care who she upset because she needed to touch Jesus. And when she touched Jesus, she received her healing. Her world was changed. And I just wonder if there's a few people who need to push through some people and get to Jesus. Because your world will be changed. You know, when people encountered Jesus, what kept them apart from everyone enabled them to engage with everyone. You see, because here's Zacchaeus, the tax collector, who everyone hated because he was a cheat. And he was rich out of stealing other people's money. But he encountered Jesus. He had one meal, Jesus. And out of that, something stirred in him to make him give back more than he had taken. And suddenly, he was the most popular guy in the community. One encounter with Jesus changes everything. There was nothing ordinary about Jesus. He was raised up and transfigured before his friends. They looked at him like, wow, and there was Moses and Jesus and Elijah. And they rose them up and they were glowing. And an audible voice from heaven said, this is my son. Listen to him. There was nothing ordinary about Jesus. This baby in a manger that we go, ah, oh, there was nothing ordinary about him. Lives were transformed everywhere he went. People had an opinion of him. Whatever it was, everywhere he went, there was nothing ordinary about him. I hope there's nothing ordinary about you because you're representing Jesus. For me, this is the game changer. And it's here in John, 58, uh, John 8, verses 58 and 59. It says this, Jesus speaking, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Now, you need to know what's going on here. Because to us, just reading that, you think, well, what's that? But the people listening to Jesus knew what he was saying in that moment. 
before Abraham was. So the guy who they say is the author of their faith, Jesus is saying, before the author of your faith, I am. I was there. What Jesus is saying is, I am God. They knew what he was meaning because they were so incensed they wanted to kill him for it. You can't say that. Blasphemy. Stone him. Make no bones about it. They knew what he meant. And this for me is the one game changer. In no other religion on the planet today did anyone claim they are God. Jesus did. And here's the thing. On that basis, Jesus can't be a nice guy. He can't be a good guy. He can't just be a prophet. Because what nice guy, what good guy, and what prophet claims to be God? Either he is God, or he's an absolute lunatic. But he can't be anything else. And so for me, when I've studied Jesus, for me, when I've walked out my life with Jesus, for me, when I've engaged with him, he has proven to me time and time again, he is who he says he is. And so for that's a game changer. He's not just a baby in a manger. He's God stepping in. He's God saying, I care enough about you and your situation to step in. But I also care enough about you never to force it. I'll give you free will. I'll give you your own heart and your own mind. But I'm here and I've chosen for you. I love this. He dies. He dies a death he didn't deserve. But death couldn't hold him. Because he was never an ordinary guy. He was always God. And he rises with the keys to death and life in his hands. And his offer is to you, I want to step in. Will you let me step into your life? Because I carry the keys of death and life with me. And I will bring them into your life. And your life will never be the same. He proved it right from his birth. Nothing ordinary about Jesus. Every time he encountered someone and they embraced him, they ended up in a better place. Every time. Every time. He even said, I am God. And backed it up with the miraculous, with the understanding, with the teaching, with the love, with the kindness. He is who he says he is. So today, we're celebrating heaven invading earth. It's not just a baby in a manger and it can never be just a baby in a manger. We're celebrating him stepping in. He is God's declaration of love, the king of heaven stepping into your world. But he loves you enough to say, here I am. Will you let me? Will you let me? Will you let me step in? John 3, 16, the most famous verse in the whole Bible, I believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Here it is today. We're celebrating it. Birthday, that we, the day we celebrate on Next Monday. And it's like, it's not just a baby in a manger. It's God saying, I love you enough to step in. He gave up all the comforts of heaven to step into our mess. Just because he loves you. And for no other reason. And I want to show you a, a video here in a moment. If we can just cue that up. It's about four or five minutes long. But it's from the Barcelona Olympics. Derek Redmond running the 400 meters. Uh, true story. Millions and millions and millions of people saw this all over the world, but I think you'll get it. That this so is what we're talking about today. Uh, there's something in the heart of men as fathers which you almost can't separate from the father's heart in heaven. 
there's this connection between us. And when we have our own children, there's a connection between father and son or father and daughter, which is just amazing, which reflects heaven. And I think we see it in this video. So enjoy this.
think in many ways I don't even need to say anything really. But I think that's the heart of it. What I love about that, if you just consider, the Bible talks about running your own race, so it slots right in. But when he was running well, Father was there, just cheering him on. Go on, my son. You're making me proud. Keep going. Do your best. But the moment he was hurt, there was nothing. There was nothing that was going to stop the father from getting to him. He pushed people out of the way. He jumped over the barriers. He didn't care what the rules were. I need to get to my boy. I don't want to say this to you. You may well be in a phase of life where you're doing well. And I hope you are. In which case, father's cheering you on. Go on, my son. Go on, my daughter. Go and make a difference in this world. Go and achieve your dream. I love you. I love you. I love you. But the moment you hit a wall, he will move heaven and earth to get to you. But the great thing is, he's made that choice. But what will we choose? What will we choose? Because we get to choose. He might jump over the barrier, push away the stewards to get to you. But when he gets to you, you still have to say, yes, thanks, Dad. I need you in this moment. And he is committed to help you finish your race. Because he loves you that much. Here's what I love. Jesus chose, he chose to come down from heaven and be born in a manger in difficult circumstances. I like the idea that there's Joseph and Mary in a very difficult situation. She's pregnant. He's confused. It's not his child. She's nine months pregnant and had to do a great long journey on a donkey. They get there and Joseph hasn't organized the accommodation. Do you think their marriage is in a good place? But Jesus can still be born in the midst of a mess. Jesus doesn't need it to be right. He just needs to be welcome. And so you might look at yourself and say, I'm not ready for this. I need to sort a few things out. No, you don't. Jesus cares more about you than the situation. He cares more about you than your decision making. He cares more about you than what other people think. He is breaking down heaven and earth to get to you. He is stepping in. And that's what we're celebrating. It can never just be a baby in a manger. It's much more than that. It's the king of heaven saying, I declare my love for you. He died on a cross and they mocked him. He chose to die. Because at any point he could have come down. Do you know why? Because he's God. Nothing could hold him, but he chose. And the reason he chose is because for everything you've ever done, thought or said wrong, he says, I'll take that. I'll take it. And he goes down to face Satan in hell. He chose to go there. But he had faith and trusted his father. That when his father looked at him, he could see no sin in him and therefore death couldn't hold him. And so that is why he comes back to life with the keys to death and life and say, I have victory now and I'm choosing to step into your world. Will you let me step into your world? Because where I will take you will be amazing. I've made a choice. Will you make a choice? And here's what I love. It's John 3, 17. We read John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. This is the next verse. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And the thing is, so many people who don't engage with Jesus think he's coming in to point the finger, but it's the complete opposite of that. He didn't come to condemn anyone. He didn't come to say, look at you, look at you. You're no, it's just love. 
and nothing else. Unless we're saved, you know, obviously we, we believe in heaven after earth. And so because of Jesus, I'm guaranteed my place in heaven because I'll stand before the Father and he'll say, Barry, I've got a relationship with you. But it's even more than that. This word save is an ongoing process. It's like he is continually saving you. Because who in life doesn't have a difficult time? And Jesus says, I have the keys to death and life and I'm in a position and powerful enough to save you from your stuff. And it's stuff like this. Fear of failure. Fear of rejection. Fear of sickness. How many of us go through our life never encountering those things? And yet Jesus says perfect love drives out fear. How many of us don't engage in a friendship because we're afraid we won't be accepted? How many of us don't push a door in case it doesn't work out? And ultimately the driving force there is fear. But Jesus says, I came to save you from that fear so that you can be free. Because those who the sun sets free are free indeed. The whole point of Jesus is that your life gets better and nothing else. Low self-esteem is so common in men and women today. And yet when you look at yourself in the mirror and you look at yourself through the eyes of Jesus, you're perfect. And yet we wrestle with this stuff. This is what Jesus came to do. This was him stepping in to say, I'll do it for you. And if you'll allow me, we'll finish this race together. In the ups and the downs of it all, I will be there. He loves you. People look for answers to these things in the wrong place. You can get some answers that help you in life. But when you get Jesus, it changes everything. And I want us to be a church that is so proud in the right sense of our Jesus that it will be on our lips, that it will be in our hearts, that it will be in our life, that we will demonstrate something because it gets better. In 2 Corinthians 5.20 it says this, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You see, this word ambassador is pretty cool. Because what it means is that the place that you represent, that you're an ambassador for, empowers you and pays for you to represent them. So if we're ambassadors for Christ, that makes us ambassadors for heaven. That means heaven is paying for you and heaven's going to empower you to be the ambassador. It's not even about you. That's the message we carry. And so here's the thing. If Jesus came in and stepped into my world and helped me in my difficult moments and cheered me on to go and succeed in my dreams, he is now empowering me to step into someone else's world to help them through their difficult moments and help them to achieve their dreams. And right there is the gospel message that he loved me and did something so amazing in me, it's empowered me to help you. And if I could help you, maybe you'd encounter Jesus. And as you encounter Jesus, maybe you could help someone else. And all of a sudden, because Jesus stepped in, the world becomes a better place. But we get to choose. Because there's nothing ordinary about Jesus, there should be nothing ordinary about you or your life. When you represent him as an ambassador, you can expect unusual favor. You can expect unusual provision. You could expect unusual outcomes. Because you don't have a usual God, you have a God of the extraordinary. And you're his ambassador. That'd be cool now, Matt, please. I want to say that your life should be hilarious, astounding, challenging, heart-moving, exciting, but ultimately satisfying. And all because you made a choice to say, thank you, Jesus, that you chose to step into my world. And it's always a choice. Do you let me pray for you?
How about we stand up together? Father, I want to thank you again for all these amazing, amazing people that you've gathered this morning. We're family. Lord, we acknowledge that in life there are amazing, amazing ups, but also some very difficult downs. But Lord, we want to come before you this morning, not as a baby in a manger, but as the King of heaven, willing to step down from heaven into our humanity to be there and walk us through it to encourage us and empower us to be better versions of ourselves, to enable us to help someone else. We thank you. We thank you, Jesus. I just want to pray for anyone right now. If you're in a, in a difficult moment, you just raise your hand because we're going to pray for you in this moment. So anyone just having a difficult time? Guy here, lady there, guy there, girl here. Some at the back there. It's cool. If you stood next to anyone and noticed a hand raised, you just put your arm on their shoulder. That'd be cool. Let's pray. Because this isn't just words and this isn't just a nice story. This is reality. This is lives transformed. This is hope. Lord, I lift up all these amazing people who find themselves in a difficult moment. But thank you, Lord God, that we don't go through these difficult moments on our own. And thank you, Lord God, we don't go through these difficult moments with no hope, but we go into them full of hope. So I just speak life and health and provision and hope into your life right now in Jesus' name. And I say that expecting to see some change. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just pray that each of these guys can shift their thinking and get their eyes on you and have a hope and a faith rise up in their hearts that changes some stuff. And each of you will have a great testimony that glorifies our Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. just also want to give opportunity here. Is there anyone today who's feeling stirred that says, I need to respond? I know that Jesus has made a choice to step into my life. I want to make a choice to let him in. Is that you today? Give me a wave because I'll pray with you if it is. Don't miss your opportunity to leave this place right with Jesus. Bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So good. Everyone's good. But I always want to give that opportunity. Father, I'll tell you what we do. We're going to sing that song that Matt wrote. He stepped in. Hopefully on the back of what I've just spoken, it will be really meaningful to you.